Hi everyone, welcome to episode two of our new season. Our new book is Ozzy's revisionist take on Hades and Persephone's story called Wind and Rain. Remember, if you like this story, it's available on Amazon.com and at www.osuz504.tech. That's osuz504.tech. Ozzy's story of the week this week is called Humble Nightmare and is posted on the homepage for your reading pleasure. Otherwise, on to the story. The master placed her gently, though somewhat unceremoniously, in one of the chairs in her study. She'd carried Chloe all the way here as the staff tittered behind their hands. Chloe had heard one or two comments about, They're fighting, finally, or I love it when the spring queen gets mad. Isn't she pretty? It's about time they did something. It made her a little frustrated. When the hair finally released her, she spat out, I'm not your wife, you ridiculous ur-king of an asshole. I would remember if I had the poor taste to marry someone like you. Master sighed and dropped into a chair across from her. You don't remember because you made a deal with your mother, you ridiculous ur-queen of an asshole. You bet her that you would still love me and come back to me even if she drowned you in the river Leith. And you didn't, by the way. She said the last in a barely articulated hiss. You left me a thousand years ago without even telling me about this stupid bet, which I would have strongly opposed, by the way, if you'd bother to ask me instead of making hot-headed, poor decisions to prove some non-existent love to your mother. She leaned her head back into the chair. God, I hate your mother. Don't blame her, ghosty. Please don't use that nickname. Well, you're the one who hid all this from me. Why didn't you explain any of this when I woke up on your couch? Why am I mortal then? I have a mortal name, mortal history, mortal degrees, mortal, 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 mortal. I'm not your spring queen. And why don't I remember any of this? If, in fact, it happened. And why didn't you tell me any of this, you overbearing, self-righteous, selfish bastard? Because I'm not allowed to influence you in any way, Master hissed back. If I coerce you or do anything to influence you back to the way things were, your precious mother will come in here and drown you again, and I'll have to wait another 2,000 years to get a hint of where you've gone. You could have looked for me. I did, you miserable woman. You try to find a goddess reincarnated as a mortal, protected by an earth elemental who's pissed at you. It's impossible. Besides, the last time I tried to bring you home, against the rules... Your mother threw a fit and cast nuclear winter on the human realm, and for 50 years, all I heard was how terrible and irresponsible I was as I cleaned up the dead and dying from that debacle. She glared at Chloe. You were the one who made the stupid bet, and then left. I'm just the one who has to clean up after it. I didn't make a bet, said Chloe stubbornly. I have no idea what you're talking about. I know, said Master grumpily. I wasn't even going to tell you. I just figured if you stayed long enough, something would trip your memory or something. Your mother and I made an agreement that if you ended up down here again through your own free will, I could keep you here for four months. If you remembered and chose to stay, you and I would win the bet. If you leave, I lose, and your mother gets to keep you. Another long eye roll. Mothers-in-law are the worst. Just the worst. Sounds good to me, said Chloe, crossing her arms. I'd never marry you anyway, ice queen that you are. You sound just like your mother, groaned Master. This time was going so well. Stop trying to control me. You're not the master of the universe. I am, actually, said Master, crossing her arms in facetious imitation of Chloe. And I'll do exactly what I like. Bite me. Gladly, she said, showing a mouthful of shark teeth. It's been a thousand years, sweetheart. We have a lot to catch up on. 
No, this is some bullshit of a story. Chloe slapped a tendril of hair trying to curl around her. No way, buddy. None of that. I don't know if you're about to hit on me or eat me, but either way, no. Master gave a long, exhaustion-laden sigh. You would have to show up right now with all your drama. She shook her head and looked up at the ceiling. I thought maybe I could get through this year in peace, but no, like everything, you have to show up and just destroy all my plans. Why do you feel the need to just ruin my life like this? I didn't do anything, ghosty, Chloe said, turning away. I woke up on your couch, a perfectly normal 27-year-old woman. You're the one who said, green magic, blah, 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 hospital, blah, 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 Elfsinian, blah, blah, blah. I'm the helpless victim here. Helpless, hardly. Chloe shot her an outraged look. Look, Chloe, believe me, or don't believe me. I don't actually care anymore. The sad tone was back in her voice, and her hair hung limp and straight. I've got bigger problems than you, for once. Problems that include your mother, which I always seem to be cleaning up other people's problems. Look, you've gone this long. You've been gone this long. Another few months doesn't matter. Just leave me alone. She turned to walk out, leaving Chloe alone and a little shocked on the couch. It took her a moment. Ghosty, hey, now don't... But the other woman didn't turn around, and she shut the door behind her. Ida stood with a frozen smile on her face, welcoming the last of the guests to Crossroads Palace. Elaborately dressed magi loitered around the steps, grouped up in the gardens. Judas and the other palace staff had turned it inside out for them. There was food and laughter everywhere. Idas felt a headache coming on and profoundly wished she could just go take a nap. Thank God I have Judas and Magda to help me with this, she thought gratefully. If I had to exist with these people all the time by myself, I'd go insane. Ocean was late, per usual. She glanced at Magdalena. The hellhound shrugged. Late, always late. Why do I have to stand out here and... Brother! Ocean's voice cut through her reverie. Or rather, sister! Unusual for you to be in female form for this event, ghosty. Please don't call me that, Ida said, mostly to herself since she knew Ocean wouldn't listen anyway. You're late. I'm always late, ghost. He put his arms around her and hugged her. And you always forgive me. It coaxed a smile out of her, even though she didn't want it to. Is Hurricane here? she asked, craning her head around her brother's massive body to see if the little water goddess was around. Yes, 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 she's coming later. Brought a whole crew of children to visit this time. Why, do you like my wife more than me, sister? He grabbed her head and ruffled her hair. If you weren't famous for being such a prude, I'd be suspicious. Idis braced herself against all the muscle and pulled her head out, smoothing down her hair as much as possible, even though immediately locks twisted around her in tiny whirlwinds of agitation and tension. You know you don't have to worry about me. Now, Thunder, on the other hand... Where is that big, beautiful bastard? shouted Ocean, loud enough to shake the earth and cause a long, rippling crack along the front of the palace steps. Come out here and fight me! Ida sighed and laid her hand along the damage to mend it before it got out of control. If only my brothers were so easy, she thought, already feeling exhausted. Who are you calling bastard, you swine? came the shout back. Instantly, Thunder threw himself into the air to land on top of his younger brother, pummeling him, both laughing. I hate my family, thought Idis, crossing her arms and standing to the side as the brawl wandered back down the steps and into the front courtyard. Her palace opened directly onto the capital street with a broad square that acted as a gate to many worlds. 
The town had sprung up around it, and the capital had seemed to get used to the yearly family reunion. As a result, there was a lively festival going on, hundreds of people thronging through the streets, hundreds of people to get hurt or stepped on by her idiot brothers. She waded into the fray, grabbing an ear from each, apologizing to the nice shopkeepers, whose little shops were a lot flatter now, and dragged the masters back out towards the palace. They're going to be too drunk to stand within an hour, she thought gratefully. Maybe I can get out of the party early and go read. Chloe had forgotten that Alcinian started tonight. She was awkwardly standing, mostly naked, outside the hot spring, trying to decide if she should risk talking to the gaggle of strange women currently occupying her favorite pool, or if she should sneak back to her room and beg a nuke to bring her something fluffy to read. The choice was made for her, unfortunately. Oh, hello there. A young woman with beautiful blue hair piled on top of her head waved at her. Yoo-hoo, she called. Don't be shy. Come on in. Girls, we have a new friend. Chloe tried very, very hard not to roll her eyes. Oh, look at her. She's adorable, said another. This one with little ram's horns attractively wrapped in pink cotton candy hair and delicate little hooves. A little deep green demigoddess. Oh, how cute. Isn't Silence's wife a green goddess, said another one, this one covered in scales and reptilian in nature. I think you're right, Eris, said the first one. You must be the spring queen we've heard so much about. I'd heard that you're back. Welcome home. Chloe tried to think happy thoughts as she slid into the water. Nope, nobody's wife, just running a hospital here for the master. A hospital? Why would Master Silence need a hospital? So she'll have some place to recover when I kill her, thought Chloe. No idea, she said instead. The master just asked that I help her with some healing magic, just in case. The blue-haired woman and the snake woman looked at each other. Silence is worried she'll fail, said one. Very unusual, said the other. Chloe felt like she'd said something wrong. No, it, she's not going to fail or anything like that. She just asked me to help her, that's all. Oh, of course he's not going to fail, said Ramshead, slinging an apparently inebriated arm around Chloe comfortingly. Or possibly trying to be comforting. He's just such a sourpuss. You know how he is. No sense of humor, she hiccuped. No fun at all. <clears throat> Although, her voice dropped. I've never seen him as a woman. Is he hot? I bet he is. All serious and dark. Shut up, Curdy, said Blue Hair. She paused a moment. She's right, though, isn't she, a spring queen? Not the spring queen, said Chloe, taking a glass of something alcoholic one of the fairies brought her. She smiled at the little thing. Poor creature probably didn't want to be here anyway. It looked like one of the master's pets from the garden. It seemed grateful for her attention. Haven't seen the master as anything other than a woman, and yeah, she's all right. She's all right, snorted the reptile woman. You hear that, Hurricane? Bet she's all right. Girl, stop it, said Hurricane. It's very bad manners to talk about a woman's husband right in front of her. She extended a hand to Chloe quite elegantly, almost hiding the fact that she was almost certainly drunk. Hurricane, treasure of the deeps, consort to Master Ocean, pleasure to make your acquaintance. Chloe shook her fingers awkwardly, which seemed to amuse Hurricane. Chloe, she said. Ramshead shoved her hand in between them. Curdy, first son of the land without winter. Nice to meet you, Queen Chloe. Nope, it's just Chloe, she said again. Hello. The reptilian woman didn't offer her hand, but said, You can call me Eris. I do bad things to bad people. The snake woman smiled evil, evilly with too many teeth. Wow. 
That's not intimidating at all, said Chloe. Pleasure. Hurricane smacked the snake woman. Stop that. Quit scaring the children. Eris didn't put the teeth away. Well, this has been fun, Chloe said, standing up and hoping to escape, only to get shouted down with a chorus of unhappy goddesses. Chloe, stay, please. We never get to hear about silence. He's such a mystery. Is she? said Chloe, surprised. But she, she's not, really. He reads a lot. He doesn't say much. He has a thing for fairies. That's it? said Curdie, disappointed. Well, that's not fun at all. She's not really a fun girl, I guess. Very responsible. She works a lot. Hurricane sighed dramatically. Well, that's what happens when you're the oldest, you know. Silas takes all the hits so his brothers can do whatever they want. I heard that's how they got he got the underworld in the first place, said Eris. That's old news, said Curdie. Everyone knows Thunder and Ocean couldn't possibly be trusted with the Leviathans. If Silas didn't take them, we'd all be dead in the void right now. Uh, sorry, who are Thunder and Ocean? asked Chloe. There was a long pause. Uh, your husband's brothers, said Hurricane finally. Oh boy, that deal with your mother is a doozy, isn't it? You know about that? Sure, honey, I had to step in a bit after, well, you know. Silence was just so down and depressed. If he'd gone to battle like that, he would have been snapped in half. He told me a little bit about what was going on, and I'm really sorry for you two. I hope you don't mind, but I gave him the blessing. I don't even know what that is. It's probably better that way, said Curdie, taking another swig. I'd lose my shit if my husband took another woman's magic. You'd have to have a husband then, wouldn't you? What do you know about it, shot Hurricane. Curdie waved her off. Husbands are expensive and needy. I've gotten by these past millennia without one. Hasn't hurt me yet. She paused, considering. I mean, if I did pick someone, he'd have to be a pretty powerful god. I mean, sometimes I just wake up hungry, you know? I'd probably eat him by accident. Oops. He seemed tickled by the thought. You're a savage woman, Curdie, said Hurricane. Just brutal. Oh, look who's talking, world render, Curdie retorted. Isn't it you and Ocean that drowned a fucking continent the last time you two had a snit? Mm, said Hurricane, crossing her arms and looking away. It was a little continent, and we both agreed that it looked much prettier underwater. Besides, I won that particular snit, and the drowning didn't happen until after the fight. She gave Curdie a significant glance. If you know what I mean. Chloe shivered a little, remembering her master's delicious comment. Gross. Yeah, I hear accidental cannibalism is hell on a marriage. There was a little laughter. The conversation paused. Lady Hurricane... Hurricane, dear, we're practically sisters. Hurricane, what's the blessing? Since I'm here this year, maybe I could help him out with it a little. I mean, I'm not very good with my magic yet, but do you think it matters? I think Silence would like it very much. She's a very sensitive person, you know. How sensitive, Hurricane, asked Curdie, and where? Shut up, Hurricane responded, without too much heat. A blessing is just where you put the, where you finish the armoring with Faistus, putting whatever protective spells or magic you feel into the final piece. It should be something that can stand alone and protect her when her magic fails. The boys found out long ago that usually single magic breaks under battle conditions with the Leviathans, so they started asking for blessings. Now it's tradition that their wives or families do it for them. Except for Thunder, she frowned. Don't ever do a blessing for Thunder. He's a monster, said Curdie. Oh, okay. 
Any spell? asked Chloe. Any protective spell? corrected Hurricane. I'm not sure I know any, said Chloe. You'll just have to find a good one for her then, said the water goddess. Now, can someone please bring me more alcohol? I'm almost sober, and that's a terrifying thought. Chloe stared at the page and tried to focus on patterns of light and energy that it told her she was supposed to see. She whispered the words and moved her hand over the pot and saw an obliging shoot pop its head out of the soil, blossoming into a sunflower. She had a moment of pleasure in the accomplishment then and turned to call a nuke over to show it to her. Before she remembered that Master had commandeered a nuke for some special project and she'd sent Magda on another super-secret project. Chloe sighed. Bored. None of my friends are here to entertain me. Chloe, darling, why are you still here? Hurricane's clear, high voice rang through the hospital wing. Chloe craned her neck around a stack of books to see her. Oh, hello, Hurricane. Just working on some magic stuff. What are you doing? The woman moved like a wave, so graceful and elegant. Chloe had a moment of pure, unrestrained envy. I move like a constipated giraffe, she thought uncharitably. You're going to miss the hunt. It's tradition that we see silence off for it. The hunt for what? Souls, dear. Come along. Chloe shuddered. I don't think I want to see her reaping souls. I have a hard enough time not being creeped out when I remember she's king of the damned. Oh, stop. It's a huge show. Judas and the other reapers take a lot of pride in it. Hurricane grabbed her hand and Chloe let her pull her along. There are other reapers? Of course. Chloe, don't you know anything about your own kingdom? Not my kingdom. Of course it is, silly. If you would just go make up, Silence will forgive you in about a second for whatever you're fighting about. She has mush for a heart. We're not fighting. Of course you're not. Hurricane led her along the corridors towards one of the city-facing balconies. The ever-present darkness of crossroads suddenly vaulted in front of her, and she had another overwhelming homesickness for sunlight, starlight, a forest, anything. So depressing down here. I'm going back inside, she said. Stop that, said Hurricane, pulling her fully onto the balcony and towards the railing. You're going to miss the good part. Chloe tried hard not to roll her eyes, since she was pretty sure Hurricane would see and would not be amused. Hur she started and then stopped. The courtyard was full. Howling hounds, or maybe wolves, great black stags, dark figures with cloaks rambled around as the city drums beat feverishly. Judas and Magda were on the stairs of the palace, shouting something incoherently to a call-and-response rhythm that Chloe couldn't hear, but could definitely feel. But everyone seemed to know what it was and answered back just as incoherently. Fires were lit up, firecrackers of color spewed from the rooftops and markets as far as the eye could see. There was shouting and laughter and the occasional bellow of one of the wolves or stags below that sounded absolutely terrifying. Judas called something again, but this time instead of answering, the crowd went silent. Chloe could almost hear her heartbeat pounding in her ears until she realized it wasn't her heart. It was the drumbeat of hooves through the sky. She dropped to her knees as Thanatos thundered over her, a giant black fey nightmare careening through the air like a storm. At his appearance, a wild cheer erupted from the crowd and the wolves bayed uncontrollably. Instead of her usual controlled, elegant master, Thanatos was carrying a savage. Silence, instead of his typical black, was now a giant of a man garbed in deep green with a huge bow strapped across his back. Horns stuck up through his helm as he urged Thanatos faster and lower. Thanatos circled once, 
twice, and on the third, Master threw up his hands to rip open a gate of purple-black fire and fury, howling at the darkness like one of his wolves, before the whole cart courtyard erupted into a mad sprint for the yawning chasm in what had been empty space. Drums started up again, the crowd yelling encouragement as the whole entourage fell into the black hole and it sealed itself up. Jesus, said Chloe on a long breath out. What was that? The wild hunt, said Hurricane, her voice tight with excitement and maybe lust? Isn't it great? You're a scary lady, said Chloe, retreating a little from her on the balcony. Hurricane laughed and her eyes glowed turquoise. Hey, you're the one married to that monster. No way. Just wait until he comes back, she said, relishing her voice. The return trip is even better. Jesus. Chloe fell asleep. Evidently, the hunt took all night, and there wasn't much to do if you weren't into drinking or beating on drums. Hurricane stayed with her. Occasionally, one of her daughters came in to say goodnight, or one of the small shadows drifted in with festival treats. Hurricane sang something soothing as she worked the weaving. Chloe didn't understand what she was doing or singing or making, but it seemed relaxing, and the steady of the shuttle and loom melded with her song, relaxing her as they waited. Outside, the sounds of the festival got louder as people got drunker. Why are they so noisy, she said, rubbing her eyes and finally breaking out of her nap. What's the big deal? The master's bringing their loved ones to them tonight, said Hurricane, quietly putting down her cloth and coming to sit next to Chloe and look out over the balcony. Families, lovers, friends, silence brings the souls from a thousand worlds tonight to strengthen him and his magic before the Leviathans. Oh, so he kills people to bolster his spells? Hurricane scowled at her. Of course not. He just guides the lost ones and the stupid ones back to where they should be. In exchange, he just takes a small piece of their spiritual power. Nothing that won't come back. Ah, a long pause. You seem to really like my master. Hurricane smiled. He's a good master, a good brother. She gave Chloe a side look. I wish you could see him like that. I am uncomfortable with this conversation, said Chloe, and hungry. Isn't there anything to eat in this place? Outside, there was a long, loud howl of a hellhound. It sounded like Magda, though Chloe couldn't tell how she knew that. She and Hurricane both ran to the railing. Black flames sprang up in the gate, and again, yawning indigo black slithered up the air, splitting itself in two and opening onto a star field, an endless display of whirling galaxies and starlight that made Chloe catch her breath. Thanatos flung himself through the breach as the master leapt off his back, hitting the solid stone below. His helm was off, and Chloe realized the horns were actually his, not part of the helmet, as he bellowed into the portal. Streams of light poured out of the galaxies, light of every color, light so thick it was almost solid, and thin, delicate snowflake patterns of texture and color followed it. All of it ricocheted off the overwhelming darkness of the black fires around it. The master pulled an arrow from his quiver, shooting it high into the vaulted stone of the underworld, where it shone like a falling star before plunging far beyond the city. He then rammed his fist into the earth, causing a wave of stone to erupt from the courtyard, and take a mirror image shape of him. The great stone figure shivered, drawing itself up to a hundred feet high, bellowed in an uncanny image of echo of the master's call, and reached out long strides through the main square towards the arrow. The rainbow of energy and light coalesced behind him like the tail of a comet, 
With each step, bits of the comet tail solidified into shapes and figures that dropped to the earth. Children and adults ran to each after the great stone man passed as, he, as the original took another arrow and shot it into the heart of the void, slamming the portal shut. The hunt returns, shouted the master, turning to the city and throwing his arms open wide as if an invitation. Burn it to the ground. He laughed as the drums and music kicked up another notch and the city shook with the noise. Holy shit, breathed Chloe. Is this real? Like, seriously? Hurricane chuckled. This is the only reason Ocean comes early anyway, she said, a little ruefully. He just likes getting drunk and rowdy with no consequences. And this is the only time silence cut loose a little. I can't believe he and she are the same person, said Chloe, as the brute came striding up the stairs of the palace. She leaned over to see him better, and something above him must have caught his attention. For a moment, his and her eyes met, and she thought, he's a madman. He seemed to hear her and burst out laughing again as he strode up the stairway into the great building. Nothing good ever happens when he laughs, she repeated quietly to herself, feeling colder than usual. Chapter 3 Chloe cleared her throat awkwardly at the entrance to the palace forge. The tough, crippled man at the fires didn't seem to hear her. She tried not to stare too hard at his shriveled right leg. It made her uncomfortable. She looked back at Magna for, Magda for encouragement. Maggie made little shooing motions with her hands. Go on, ask him, she mouthed. I will, I will, just let me do it, okay? Mouthed Chloe back. Maggie raised her eyebrows at her mistress and Chloe felt dumb. Uh, ex excuse me, Mr. Faistos? Mr. Mr. Faistos? She shouted over the din of his hammer. Huh? The man had thick goggles on with poured glass lenses, and his leather apron covered what was obviously an intensely painful deformity, as well as gigantic muscles that rippled every time he breathed. Wow, she thought. Make a note. Stay on this guy's good side. What's that? Mr. Faistos, can I bother you? Who is that? Come in, come in. I just need to finish something right quick. Just be a moment. In an almost balletic turn that belied the frozen, painful-looking right leg anchored to the floor, he slammed his hammer down on the piece one more time and plunged it into an oil bath, letting the metal bathe him in a hot spray of sparks. He didn't seem to notice, letting the fires and boiling water play on his skin almost like living things before damping down the forge and coming close to Chloe. Ah, oh, Spring Queen, I'm so happy to see you again. Welcome home. Through the dirt and soot on his face, Chloe could see a light dusting of freckles and stunning, expansive blue eyes brimming with kindness. A man of warm sunshine, she thought, impressed and a little taken aback. She had a sudden wash of familiarity and protectiveness that surprised her. Uh, thank you? She coughed a little. Look, I'd like to... Oh, yes, the blessing, the blessing, the blessing. Of course, I always do the Shadow Master's armor first. He's always so considerate when I come to visit. Always gives me plenty of time. Not like those brute brothers of his. Face was spat dismissively. Couldn't plan their way out of a paper bag, those two. He patted her hand. And it's so nice that you're finally going to give a blessing. Master Silence deserves it. Hurricane did a nice job last year, but, you know, she also did oceans, and it's never good to have the same kind of magic done twice to the Leviathans. They're much too quick and clever for that. Chloe blinked. He was talking a little fast for her. Uh, well, yes, I agree. Only, you see, I haven't had much time to prepare the spells or anything, and I don't want to hurt the master, so... 
of course, of course, this is what I do, young mistress. Don't you fret. You just think of the spells you want, and I'll engrave them into the armor and show you how to put all that power behind them. Yes, well, see, sir, that's, that's a little bit of a problem. Problem? She held a book out for him. See, I'm pretty sure that the spell I want is in this book, but I'm also pretty sure I'm going to have to defeat whatever comes out of it or die. So you see, I'm just a little bit nervous about opening it myself. Thesos look at, looked at her in confusion. A book? You have to read a book to cast spells? He paused as if the thought was brand new to him. Why? She shrugged. It's just the way it works, she pointed to the book. Bad stuff comes out when I open them, and I'm pretty sure this one is going to be really bad. It's going to suck. He looked at it. You need me to help you defeat a book? Hmm. He chewed his bottom lip. Never had a goddess ask me that before. I'm not much of a fighter, you see. But you're a good metal mage, right? Everyone says so. Fire and metal always do what you tell them. Well, yes, but miss, you're a green mage. Plants don't mix well with my kind of magic. It'll be fine. Please help me. I don't want the master to be by herself again this year. Hmm. Face was clapped his palms together and hobbled over to one of the racks, handing her a whip made of thin, delicate razors set in chains and taking one of his heavy hammers for himself. Now, don't look at me like that, miss. Good, simple tools for simple fighters here. He gave her a considering look. And you just look like a whip would suit you. He stabbed his chin towards the book. Go ahead, miss. Open her up. Let's see what we got. Chloe took a deep breath and let the little switch click in the way she discovered worked best. In her mind, she wormed her way into the binding spell, keeping the book closed, and exploded her golden magic into the lock like a flower bursting into bloom. Pretty, miss, said Feister, somewhere beside her. That spell would look lovely in pearl or amber in a nice breastplate. The book opened as she let it fall to the ground and waited anxiously. For a moment, nothing happened. Then, a slim, purple-black tendril rose smoke-like from the pages. Chloe let golden power flow down her chain and let her wrist snap out to catch it, but the whip passed through it with no change. The smoke continued to flow, misting upwards into a cloud of deep, deep black. Phaestus put down his hammer. Phaestus, what are you doing? We need... Nah, miss, there's no weapon that can cut through nothingness. He drew a small bubble of liquid metal from the bucket behind him with a flick of his fingers, shaping it into a ball before him and gently pushing it into the expanding cloud. The metal disappeared instantly, and the cloud expanded. Now Chloe could see silvery dust moving, almost like galaxies in the blackness. Don't touch it, said Phaestus, warmth gone from his voice. We'll need to contain it in something, something huge. What do I have that can contain all the universe? He shambled to the side, leaving Chloe staring at the still-expanding cloud in terror. Phaestus? What am I supposed to be doing? Please don't leave me here with it. Relax, miss. We have four, maybe even five minutes before it consumes us and everything in the underworld. It's just a black hole, you know. Tricky things, though. I've only seen one once, and that one got busted up by Master Silence, so I'm not sure. Less talking, more magic, please, said Chloe, watching the cloud move closer, eating up the light and warping with heat-seeking agility, following her as if it could sense her and was hungry. I wish I had a crystal. A lovely, big crystal with solid walls that I could lock you away in, she thought, backing away. It followed. She swung her chain, more in hope than for real, and the, whole, 
and the whole ate it, stripped it from her hand, sucking up the golden magic first and then the chain itself before she dropped it, seeing blackness crawling up the metal before it disappeared. Bastos, please hurry. She could hear him muttering and searching through things, but he didn't respond. She shut her eyes tightly. I would like a big, beautiful crystal that looks like this, that will fit over all this darkness and warp space like this, and then you can be as big as you want on the inside, Mr. Black Hole, but please stop expanding into my space. She could feel cold coming closer and closer and reflexively flung out her hands, feeling that odd bleeding sensation as energy slipped out of her fingers. The cold stopped suddenly. She opened her eyes. Two or three feet in front of her, trapped in a golden crystal that looked like a dahlia in full bloom, was the black hole. It couldn't grow anymore. It looked like the seed bed in the golden dahlia, rippling in and out of itself, as if the two had always been together, merged, combined. She could see a thread of energy flowing into the blackness from the flower, and as she watched, it shrunk a tiny amount. Bastos let out a long whistle. Nicely done, miss. Lovely little containment mutual binding spell you came up there with there. He fearlessly shuffled to the flower and tapped it to hear a bell-like ring. That's mighty pretty. Will it hold, she said, through clamped teeth. I really don't want to do this again. No, ma'am, you just slowed it down, but this might help. He held up golden discs that looked like buttons with spikes through the bottom. I made these for a friend a few years ago. He has a bit of a problem with leaking magic sometimes, so these little babies are designed to reflect everything right back to where it came from. I bet that'll stop this little beast from eating your pretty flower. Great. Wonderful. Fantastic. Can you please finish it? This makes me super nervous over here. He laughed and slowly moved to get his hammer. Nah, nah, miss. You have it tucked up nice and neat. I'm just putting on the final touches. Good spell. Don't worry. He limped to the dahlia, and if it wasn't obvious how painful it was for him to move, Chloe would have screamed with impatience. She was afraid to move, afraid to breathe in case something distracted her and she lost the pattern of the flower. She was, in fact, frozen with her hands still out. Just stay right there. Everything, please, just stay right where you're at. Bastos took a look at the crystal from all sides, tapped it again to listen for the ringing bell tone. Whatever he heard, he seemed to find places that deserved the little gold discs. Eight spots got a single tap with the hammer. Eight spots rang with what had to be the sound of the universe. It was impossible to explain, but as Faistos touched the crystal with the tool, Chloe heard a resonant, ringing, perfect tone echoing in her mind, as if the crystal and the gold discs were harmonized and singing together, becoming one and whole. The sound lifted her, filling her up with joy as if there were no problems, no pain, nothing but the sheer exaltation of the sound drowning out her own existence. Somehow she knew that joy and peace came from Phaistos, as if she could taste his magic through the tiny disc. As the sound died away, she let her hands drop and caught an expression of sheer bliss on Phaistos' face. Utter contentment and happiness reflected out of every pore, and as she watched, the crystal shrank to the size of a tiny seed, stable and lovely. He gave her a beaming smile, reaching out to pluck the thing out of the air and handed it to her. A souvenir for a job well done, he said. She smiled back, looking at it with a little bit of awe and fear. Phaistos, do you... Well, is that how magic feels for you all the time? That joy? Mm-hmm, he said. No wonder you're so happy all the time. He patted her hands. Magic is joy. You don't need books to cast yours. You'll figure it out. 
He looked down at the jewel. I think that's a wonderful spell for the blessing. I think I memorized the pattern. You don't have to worry. I'll make sure to put it on the new set. She coughed. Um, and a, and a healing spell? I can, um, I can do that one already. Can we put a, can we put a couple on the, the armor? Of course, miss. It's magic. You can do whatever you want. He smiled at her, delighted. There's nothing wrong, just consequences when it comes to this. I'll make up the set. You get ready to cast. I know Silence will love this year's set. Idas put on her armor. Her fingers ran over the green vine Chloe had blessed her new breastplate with and felt unaccountably comforted. She couldn't see the color on the blue steel metal, but it reminded her of her sunshine and flowers. It tasted green, like her. It was a shame to mar that pretty spell, but there always had to be a flaw, something for the Leviathans to feed on. She focused her mind and snapped the containment spell, letting the broken energy absorb into her and relishing the taste of amber and honey that came with it. She still doesn't remember me, remember herself. A flash of irritation, of loneliness that she quickly shoved under her usual stoic patience. Doesn't matter. She will or she won't come back to me. It's irrelevant what I want. Uh, Master, what are you doing? Idas turned to see her wife hesitating in the doorway. It made her smile. She seemed so young and helpful. It reminded her of when she had first brought Phoebe down here. Getting ready, Ida said, turning her attention back to her armor, and forced the sentiment away. She needed her mind in old, familiar patterns, focus that would become binding spells and battle magic, focus that would keep the world alive for another year. Responsibility settled in her heart, and she felt cold. It's not my imagination, she thought. Something is making them stronger. I can feel their restlessness from here. Where are you going? Chloe asked. Her hands gently moved Idis's away and took over tightening buckles. Idis relaxed into the small luxury and surprise and gratitude. Into Tartarus, where the Leviathans are imprisoned. Every few years the bindings fail and the Leviathans and my brothers and I have to redo them. It's a terrible bother, she said with a small smile. They would prefer not to be bound. It's very inconvenient of them. Oh, that sounds dangerous. It is. Idis watched her intent concentration on the buckles. They need to be tighter, wife. Straps aren't there for comfort. Sorry. She could see a blush starting from the younger woman's neck. She looks good in Scarlet, thought the mage. I'll have to find her something decent to wear, if I survive this, if it's worth surviving. Chloe stood back, staring at her, as Idis took up her shield and spear and turned towards the door. What? she asked. I can't be married to you, said the other woman, wide-eyed. You're deaf, aren't you? Idis glanced down at herself and felt a moment of deep, abject sadness at the unfairness of everything. Yes. I can't marry death. I know. Why are you keeping me here, then? I want to go home. Please. Idis saw an image of Chloe's broken human body lying on white sheets in another world saw the lifetime of suffering trapped in her flesh prison, saw another lifetime of hers pass by all alone. No, she said. But why? Can't you just... This discussion is over, said Idis, pulling on her helmet, letting her hair spill from it in a long midnight blue wild wave. The tendrils lashed out, rest restlessly reflecting her irritation. You can stay here or I can throw you into oblivion, me or the void. I won't send you home. Ida strode out, calling for Thanatos and Judas as she left the room.
She's a beast, said Chloe to Anouk, a selfish monster. Who's that mistress? The master. Oh, no, the master is very kind. She takes care of everyone. She won't send me home. She's making me wait. Chloe stuck her chin on her hand and stared moodily into the firelight. There's probably a reason, mistress. The master never does anything for herself. That's a lie. Anouk looked horrified. I can't lie, mistress. Fey creatures can only tell the truth, and we have to follow our word to the letter. It's a contract. Her little face fluttered angrily in front of Chloe. Just because humans can do whatever they want, we Fey have strict requirements. She folded her arms and turned away in disgust, her hummingbird wings practically vibrating the air between them. Sorry, Anouk. Chloe carefully ran a gentle finger over the little thing's head and stroked her long, soft red hair. But that still doesn't help me get out of here. I've been kidnapped by death, trapped in a crazy house, and ignored. She sighed. I want to go home. The master wouldn't kidnap you, mistress. At least, not since the last time. What last time? The last time he tried to bring you home. You were very upset, and you didn't remember him, and you kept calling for your mother. And he tried to explain that he was just taking you home, but you were convinced he was trying to hurt you, and he was so disgusted he sent you back. Anouk made a small, contempt-laced expression. You were very immature. That wasn't me! I've never met the master before I woke up on his couch. Why won't anyone believe me when I tell them that? Of course it was you, said Anouk. Here. She took off in a flurry of golden sparks, trailing to the top shelves of the library. Chloe leaned her head back to watch the trail and again admired the soft wood, amber-colored, stunning glasswork that reflected a garden of colors onto the books and landings. All the knowledge in the world here at her fingertips, every story, every history, waiting for her. If only I cared for any of it, she thought. She could feel the temptation pull at her before, unbidden, the image of death in her battle armor, standing in front of her, holding a spear that severed souls. Fear quashed that temptation instantly. She shuddered a little. The master was just so cold, severe. Anouk fluttered in her face, holding a slim, ancient volume. The letters wavered on the cover in a foreign language, and the binding looked to have been done, redone hundreds of times. It is the master's favorite, she said with pride. She doesn't read it much now, but she used to carry it with her everywhere. It's one of her very first books. One of the first, breathed Chloe, reverently taking it. What is it? I can't read the writing. It says, Hymn to Spring, said Anouk. Poetry, huh? Chloe ran her fingers over the cover again. It felt old, intensely old. Why is this her favorite? It's for you, silly. She wrote poetry for you, ages ago. Anouk came to rest on Chloe's head, leaning down over her forehead to read the cover with her. Sounds like it's about spring, said Chloe. I have nothing to do with that. Anouk smacked her lightly between the eyes. You're a green mage, all kinds of power. You've just never done anything with it, obviously. Why do you think the master keeps saying you taste like sunshine and flowers? You're spring. I thought she was being metaphorical. No, master doesn't speak anything other than the truth. Master sounds like a great big stick in the mud. Another smack from Anouk. Ow, ow, easy on the hitting, small person. Suddenly, the earth shook. Chloe went to her knees and covered her head as books and detritus rained down on her. She curled her body around Anouk as the whole palace rocked. There was a final, heavy thud as something seemed to rattle the doors of the palace and a sound like tearing metal. 
Footsteps and shouting echoed from the hallway outside. Chloe tucked a nuke into her pocket and threw open the great library doors. Another great shudder ran through the building. Another terrible scream seemed to echo from somewhere. She grabbed a shade, a smaller demon carrying a basket of something, pulling him towards her. What's going on? she shouted over another tremor. The Leviathans, he shouted back. They're winning! The master opened a portal to throw Thanatos back, but the Leviathans are winning! He wrenched out of her grip and continued his run down the hallway. She took off towards the throne room. Judas, she shouted, through the chaos of shifting buildings and injured people. Judas, where is he? A random demon pointed towards the garden. There, with Thanatos. She nodded, holding onto a wall as another quake brought another section of ceiling down and elicited another round of screaming. Judas, she called, screaming, stumbling out into the relative peace of the subterranean garden. Large rents had formed in the earth through it, protruding stones capped with jewels and odd bursts of light that would have been pretty if she hadn't been terrified. Judas, she screamed, cupping her hands. Where are you? Here, he finally answered, deep in the center of the garden. Here, mistress. She spun, heading for the voice, trying not to trip on the chasms opening up with each heave of the earth. He was kneeling over the great black horse, Thanatos. She couldn't see well yet, but its black hide was slick with something, and Judas seemed to be covered in blood. Judas, she said, skidding to a stop. What happened? What is this? I don't know, he said breathlessly, as if exhausted. He pulled one hand off Thanatos to press against his forehead, leaving a long, bloody streak, and his torso wavered as if he was about to fall. I just heard the alarm and found him here. The horse gave a long, broken moan. Anuk, said Chloe, realizing that the little fairy had followed her. I need a book on healing magic for the fae, preferably a textbook from an old master. Anuk nodded. Yes, mistress. Chloe put her own hands on Thanatos and felt something pulling her power away, something eating the great fae from the inside out. She wrapped him in her own golden energies, letting him flood with golden light instinctively. Where's the master? No sign, said Judas, shaking his head. The earth is tied to her here, though. If she dies, the underworld falls. She's a goddess. She can't die. Of course she can, he said dully. The leviathans would consume her. They've almost done it before. They'd eat her? Yes. Judas leaned back against the tree, breathing hard. I tried to open a mirror to see what was going on, but I don't have the strength. It's okay, said Chloe, patting him gently. It's okay. We'll figure something out. The master is still alive. For now, she thought, looking up and seeing the heaving caverns and deep rents in the earth. For however long that is. Mistress, Anouk dropped a book in her lap. This was the best one I could find. Good girl, said Chloe, opening the cover. Immediately, an old man in a golden robe emerged from the pages. Well now, who's woken me up with such a lovely green... Help him, interrupted Chloe, pointing to Thanatos. You can have whatever you want from my power if you can just help him. Hmm, said the old man. These are spiritual wounds. Something nasty has taken a bite out of your friend here. Yes. Okay, whatever you need, said Chloe. Indeed, indeed. Very well. One moment, my young friend. The old man, glowing and translucent, seemed to ratchet up in intensity. Golden light spilled off him as his torso levered up out of the open book. Chloe placed the book closer to Thanatos and backed away slowly. 
No, 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 spring lady. You'll need to stay close for this, said the old man. I'll be pulling quite a bit from you, and you need to stay close. Yes, sir, she said, moving back to the book. Put your hands on your friend there. She did, and arched back as lightning seemed to move through her in agonizing long arcs. Time seemed to stop, and all she could do was scream silently as the old man pulled power from her and shoved it into the Fae Lord. There we are, he said finally, as the lightning released her. She slumped over the horse, exhausted, but could feel Thanatos' easy breathing and relaxed muscles. Safe, she thought. Relieved. He's safe. Another sound, like screaming metal, opened up around them. Chloe pressed her hands against her ears as the world seemed to warp and shimmer, as if the air itself was tearing in two. There was a moment of tension, of waiting, before a long fissure lit with white flame erupted twenty feet off the ground, and a broken, burned body plunged, no, was hurled through the gap. It was the master. Chloe gasped, stumbling to pull off her helm. Her broken sword lay next to her. Judas wrenched himself to her knees, gesturing and shouting unfamiliar words at the portal to close it as Chloe rolled over the god. Her face had been smashed. Blood was everywhere. Her armor was melted and burned into her skin, and Chloe was, Chloe was fairly sure bones were sticking through openings in the mail. A ribbon of golden green light seemed to be holding her torso together, where it looked like giant jaws had torn pieces of her inside out, insides out. Bark had grown over her skin where there looked to be only bone burned black. Master, she whispered, afraid to even touch her. Move, shouted Judas, dragging the book with the old man's torso close to his master, and then putting Chloe's hands back down to the ruins of Idas's breastplate. Do it again. Chloe blinked. But I... Do it again, snarled Judas, losing his human form and reverting to Hellhound, dropping his head into his paws. You must. I'm sorry, dear, said the old man. I'll be needing more power than you have. There has to be enough. Judas, I... Yes, take mine too. Chloe pulled the big hound onto her lap and placed both hands on the master. Do it. Miss, please. All right, but you know... She couldn't hear anything more from the roaring in her ears as the lightning came back. She woke up in the library, stretched out on the master's couch, curiously reminiscent of her first wake up in the underworld. It was clean. No cracks or damage in the walls. Books still littered the landings, but there was no heaving earth, no screaming portals opening, no shouting in the halls. Peace and quiet. A sudden red-haired pixie shot into her frame of vision. Anouk, she said, smiling relief. You're okay? Yes, mistress. Chloe rubbed her eyes and sat up slowly, immediately feeling her head split open and her body ache fiercely. Oh, I feel terrible. What happened? Thanatos was able to stop the quakes and brought you here to rest. Him and Magdalena have been repairing the whole palace today. You've been asleep for a whole day. She seemed positively cheery about it. Chloe groaned. What about the master? Anouk paused. She's still not awake. But she's alive? Anouk nodded. Good. Let's go see her. Magdalena said you needed to rest. She's with master now. Chloe narrowed her eyes. Where was she when master needed her? Huh? Where has she been anyway? No, I want to see the Lord. We're going. Magdalena often helps master. She's gone often. Hush. Chloe staggered to her feet. Anouk came to sit on her shoulder in her usual position. We're going to see her. 
Maggie, let me go. Magdalena crossed her arms and shook her head. No, mistress, the master wouldn't want you to see her like this. Like what, injured? I've already seen her injured. Let me through, said Chloe, trying to push her way past the hellhound. Magdalena just moved in front of her again. No, mistress, please, you don't understand. Chloe paused, her hands on her hips. Explain it to me, then. Magdalena looked pained. Master is not human. You may see something that would make you uncomfortable. It may change how you see the master. Oh, I don't care, Chloe pushed past her. Look, Maggie, the master keeps saying that she wants to marry me, right? Well, if I'm the mistress, isn't this kind of my job? Don't you work for me? Yes, mistress, but so let me pass. But you don't even remember, master. Magdalena looked torn. You don't even like her. Of course I like her. You're afraid of her and you said you wouldn't marry her. Chloe glared at Magdalena. Quit eavesdropping on my conversations, you sneak. Her hands fell back to her sides as another image of the master popped into her mind. Battle armor. Valin, the shield of burning earth on her back. Guarnier, the spear of the damned in her hands. Cold eyes. And how do I know that? Besides, anyone who carries weapons with names is bad news. New rule I just invented. Never date anyone with a pet spear. She's just a little intimidating, Maggie. Another brief skein of ice skittered down her spine as she remembered. You taste like sunshine and flowers. A lick of her lips. It's delicious. She keeps chewing on me, Maggie. Tell me that wouldn't make you a little suspicious of motives. Magdalena didn't say anything. Just stood there with her arms crossed, blocking the garden path. Come on, Maggie, said Chloe again, trying to make her voice sweet and believable. I just want to check on the master, that's all. Just a quick visit. She felt Anouk pushing a book into her back. She obligingly reached a hand behind her to accept it before holding it up conciliatorily to Magda. It was the encyclopedia on Fea healing. Maybe I can even help a little bit. It worked the first time, remember? Magdalena's expression softened. True, mistress does have a gift. Of course I do. Let me pass, Maggie. Grudgingly, the hound stepped aside and fell into step with Chloe, headed to the deepest section of the garden. The air seemed to warp and flex around them. Chloe had been expecting, well, she wasn't sure what she'd been expecting, but whatever it was, this was not it. For a 15-foot radius around a giant monster splayed out on the ground, the air was as thick as water. Sound, light, everything seemed bent and heavy. The warped area flexed almost like it was breathing in time with the monster in its center. And it was a monster. It had the body of a hunting cat, huge with rippling muscles now spasming uncontrollably, only covered in black scales. A long serpentine neck ended in a vicious face, an amalgamation of a lion and dragon, scaled and blackened with cruel horns. Mangled black wings that were partially bent, rent and torn, splayed out on the ground, useless. Its limbs looked disturbingly human, only much too long, much too strong, with five deadly-looking claws on each, lean muscles again contracting every time the creature breathed, and correspondingly changing the air texture to something almost physical. A brawny scorpion's tail lashed through the air as if it had its own will, spraying thin drops of acid that burned through the opaque air, leaving the scent of ozone behind it. Chloe stopped, putting her hand on Magdalena. Maggie, what is that? she said, finding it hard to take her eyes off the thing in front of her. Magdalena gently pried her fingers off of her arms, saying simply, 
It's the master. Chloe tried to remember to breathe. Talk about putting your public face. Jesus. The thing cried. It was the sound of the master's voice, hoarse and incoherent, but in so much pain it was enough to remind Chloe why she was there. She tried to push past the air, ignore the strange pressures and the way the world seemed to shift under her feet the closer she got to the master, tried to ignore the odd cries and dizziness that touching the contaminated air made her feel, but she couldn't get close. The air was so thick she couldn't put past. She shoved harder. No luck. She felt Anouk leave her shoulders as the air hardened and pushed back at her. It forced her back one step, then another. Chloe braced her hands on the air, pushing with all of her strength, letting a wordless rumble of frustration and effort explode out of her mouth to help her push. It didn't budge. She slid back another step. She threw her hands down in disgust. Master, she called through the shimmering wall. This is ridiculous. Let me in. She stamped her foot. Ma she stopped, suddenly struck by a thought. Maggie, she called instead. What's the master's real name? Her name, said Magdalena, in surprise. I, I don't know. She's always just been the master. Anouk, said Chloe, turning her back to the, to the wall of air to look at the fairy. Do you know? Anouk shook her head. No, mistress. Chloe ground her teeth in frustration. Anouk, find me something with her name. But there's, I don't know if we have anything like that. I know, just try. Anouk slid away. In the meantime, said Chloe, burying her teeth determinedly and opening the healing book, you and me are going to have a talk. Chloe sat back defeated and exhausted. Anouk dabbed her face with something, and Maggie hovered. She couldn't break the barrier. She couldn't find Master's name. She couldn't do anything. It was infuriating. She slammed the latest book closed. Spirits trapped inside this one were no help either. They just kept saying Chloe needed to be able to touch the creature and that without healing of some kind, it would probably be maimed at best and dead at worst. Chloe ground her teeth and leaned forward to press herself against the wall of shimmering power uselessly again. Master's small cries of pain had stopped a while ago, and Chloe was desperately sure it wasn't because she was getting better. Master, she called again. Please let me in. Can you hear me? She struck a fist against the wall. We're worried about you. Worried about the Leviathans. Worried about your brothers. We need you to come talk to us so we know what's going on. Are they safe? Come on, open up. Judas needs to know what to do with your injured. The wall wavered. There are a lot of hurt people out here, she said, following the hint. Lots of damage from the earthquakes. Lots of scared people, too. No one knows what to do or what's going on. Judas is hurt. In lots of pain? Probably. The wall visibly cracked. Chloe stuck her fingers in it, focusing on the little switch in her mind that triggered her gold, swirly magic, and flipped it. Immediately, golden trails formed into a crowbar shape, translucent and shimmering. She rammed it harder into the crack and shoved with all her might. The crack shot up a little higher. Yeah, she said a little breathlessly, trying to force her weight onto the magic bar in her hands. Judas is injured. Thanatos was badly injured. Another crack joined the first. The palace almost came down. Everyone was so scared. Cracks shotgunned from the bottom to the top of the wall, and in a snap, it shattered into chunks of solid, shimmering air that melted into nothingness. Chloe fell forward onto the earth, finally with a clear view of the master. 
Oh my, she said a little helplessly. The body of the creature seemed to be melded with the bedrock under the garden. Master's wings were completely buried in soil, and her limbs seemed to be growing scales of sandstone or maybe bark. A thick golden ribbon wrapped around the lion's ribcage, holding in organs that were obviously cut through with deep gash marks. Blood seemed to be crystallizing like sugar along the edges of the wounds, with tiny lit, knit stones lit with that golden ribbon again. Go, go away, gasped Master. Her voice sounded shredded, as if it was coming from two or three throats, all of which had their vocal cords damaged. Can't be here. Of course I can be here, said Chloe, crawling towards the huge thing. If I can just touch her leg or something, I can... She reached out for one of the scaled, partially buried limbs. It twitched as if Master was trying to pull herself away. No. It was almost a moan. Can't. Can, said Chloe determinedly. Everyone keeps asking me what's going on and what to do, and frankly, it's not my job. It's your job. She took hold of what she figured was a leg and pictured the greater cure wound spell clearly in her mind, just like the author had shown her with Thanatos. The garden disappeared. So did the master. So did her body. She seemed to be floating above a burning plain, red, sulfurous. The air felt acidic and almost alive. She could make out a face as a gust barreled towards three small figures at the base of a great mountain, the only fixture in the flat landscape. They were fighting things, huge worms with heads of only teeth shot up out of the red earth. Lightning crackled around them, and Chloe felt the thunderbolts echo in her head, so many that all the sound blurred into one explosion of light that went on and on. Shadowy figures without form swooped down on the trio through the light like gossamer-laced death, taking translucent pieces of the fighters with each swoop until one by one they were consumed with black fires. A thundering herd of blue-white horses swiftly appeared at the base of the mountain, plunging through the worms and creatures, deafening her. But it was the rumble of the mountain that caught her attention, the way that stones larger than houses, massive boulders, sloughed off like gravel, the way the mountain itself seemed to bend and shift. Cracks lit with lava appeared, highlighting the shape of an eye, the arc of a wing. With a pyroclastic explosion, the mountain itself shook off its stone and a red-gold dragon, huge and terrible, bellowed at the figures, who were wrapped in a water bubble to avoid the debris. As Chloe watched, flame melted their small protection, and a giant foot crushed to the ground, flinging the black horse to one side as another claw pinned its rider. Another chariot of blue-white horses appeared, this one larger. A tidal wave of blue-green water followed it, slamming into the dragon. As it reeled backwards, the fallen rider leapt back to her feet and cast a shadow-sheathed spear into the great beast. It hit, burying itself deep under the scales in the dragon's underbelly, and shadows began to wrap around it, binding it, trapping its wings and tail. Before the shadows could wrap it entirely, the tail lashed out, catching the spear thrower straight on. She held onto it even as it flung her side to side and gouged holes into her with sharp scales and slammed a sword made of indigo air and magic through the thin part of the limb, pinning it to the ground and lighting another one of her strange black flames that made the dragon roar again. Light fell from the sky. 
White light, carried on the back of a gold horse this time, followed the shadows, wrapping around the dragon, strengthening them, tightening the binding. More black flames erupted around the dragon as the figures on the ground drew its attention away from the blue chariot, adding its blue light to the white. The light twined around the creature, tighter and tighter, until it seemed to be still. Stone began to creep onto its skin, as if the mountain was remaking itself out of the dragon's body. Master pulled out her sword from the creature's tail, letting it turn from indigo black to simple metal again, and shimmer into the form of her spear. She turned away to create an unfamiliar portal. No, Chloe tried to scream. What are you doing? He's not turned yet. Don't turn your back on him. The dragon's eye rolled wildly as it broke a claw out of its stone prison to slam it into the black figure on the earth. Chloe watched as the claws emerged, punching a hole in her master from back to front. There was a pause as the master seemed to look down at the emptiness that used to be her midsection before she fell, smashed and bleeding, onto the red dust. Blue and white light shot out, rebinding the stone, forcing the claw back into the prison. The figure on the white and gold horse fell in a storm down to the broken, bloody thing on the ground beneath it. White light ripped open a twin portal to the one master had made for Thanatos, this one flinging the master back to her garden. The vision faded. Chloe heaved, blinking to clear tears and whatever was trying to stop her from breathing. It ripped out your heart, she thought, practically screaming it at Master in her head. It ripped out your heart and you're still here. How could you turn your back on it? She took a deep breath, picturing a flower unfurling. I will make you a new one, she thought. I'll put back your insides and your soul, since you have the bad taste to let them get stolen. She planted the golden flower inside Master's wounds. From here, she could see that while the organs and bones were cra cracked or ripped out, the bigger wound was that the dragon had eaten part of Master's soul, her power. There was a black hole where there should be magic, a void that seemed to be consuming what was left of the Master from the inside out. I can work with that. I know how to fix this. Chloe pictured the flower, chanted the words, let her own soul fill up the difference, feeding the void until it was sated small and contained, filled up the cavity of shattered systems with a new heart, new lungs, gave the master roots into her earth, letting her own magic wrap around Chloe's golden ribbons so that indigo black and gold flowed into the flower that faded into newly remade skin, newly healed muscles. Chloe opened her eyes and sighed in relief to see master back to her version of human, with a surprising difference. Her pale white skin was now tattooed with a black and gold chrysanthemum from throat to hips. It was very pretty. Chloe paused to admire it for a minute. I didn't know I could do that, she thought. Wow, breathed Maggie from over her shoulder. How did you do that? Chloe opened her mouth to answer, I have no idea, had a brief moment to feel slightly dizzy and a little queasy, and then promptly passed out. <laughs>